Hello and welcome to the Today Not Tomorrow podcast. My name is Oscar Isaacson and this podcast is brought to you by TNT Fitness. We have a few events coming up at the gym. This Saturday is the Uplifting Women Seminar with Coach Lindy and Coach Courtney. It's from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. They're going to break down the press squat deadlift for you. You're going to leave this seminar with tons of good lifting nuggets. So there's still a few spots open. If you're thinking about it, get signed up right away on MindBody under events. Today is the first day of the Transformation Academy, so if you're thinking about signing up for this or if you know someone that's thinking about signing up for this, there are still spots open, so today is not too late to get signed up. The first workout is um, at 6 p.m. Next one is 6 p.m. on Thursday and then Sunday at 12 p.m., so let's say you don't make today Monday. You can still sign up until Thursday at 6 p.m. to get going. There's three workouts each week, but the goal is to do at at least two of them, so Keep that in mind. It's not too late if you know someone that's on the fence thinking about it. Uh, Next workout is Thursday at 6 p.m. They can sign up until then. Today, we're doing the October monthly benchmark. It's Diane2159 of deadlifts, handstand push-ups. We've done this workout before. Hopefully, you're keeping track of your workouts. You don't have to keep track of every single workout, but at least you should be keeping track of your PRs your benchmarks, your times, your lifts, what your maxes are. If you don't keep track of this, if the only um, note-taking you do on your workouts is the ones we have on the board at the gym, then I'm going to give you a D- minus right now. You need to write this down, take a picture, do a video, use an app, whatever you need to do to keep track of this. If you don't keep track of it, you can't really see if you're getting better or not. And if I um, do a class where you got back squats at 70%, if you have no idea what 70% off, you're always going to be a little bit behind. The only reason you're allowed to not keep track of um, your benchmarks is if you're completely fine with not seeing results. And I don't think that's you. That's not why you go to TNT Fitness. You want to push yourself. You want to get better. So make sure that you keep extra notes, not just the ones we have on the board at the gym that is nowhere near enough. You need to do some on your own as well. Today's topic is going to be a research review and looking at a few articles that I saw last week. There's tons of wacky advice out there. My my job is to make things as simple and clear as possible to you. So today we're going to talk about naps, uh, knee pain, sweeteners, and a little bit of muscle cramps. Last week, the Army updated their field training manual. It was called Army's Physical Fitness Training Field Manual, and now it's rebranded to be called FM722 Holistic Health and Fitness Manual. This got uh, 200 pages of all kinds of random information in it too, but there's one section that's pretty interesting, and it's about naps. It looks like a pretty neat update. It's got chapters on setting goals, visualizing success, and spiritual readiness, as well as napping. This is a direct quote from the guide. Soldiers can use short, infrequent naps to restore wakefulness and promote performance. When routinely available sleep time is difficult to predict, Soldiers might take the longest nap possible as frequently as time is available. After determining that fatigue was a factor in two fatal warship collisions, the Navy recently overhauled their sleep schedules as well. So that is part of the push on emphasizing proper sleep and a proper sleep schedule to make sure that you perform as good as possible. A lot of times I'll hear people say, I can't nap, I can't fall asleep, I can't shut my brain off. This takes a little bit of practice. You might have to give this a few attempts to find a good uh, sleeping position, 
or uh, lighting, whatever kind of brings you into a space where you can nap a little bit, get refreshed, and then kind of move on from there. What I don't like about napping is that it kind of has the stigma around it that it's something for lazy people or it's for someone that has all kinds of extra time on their hands. This is a very smart and effective way of you performing better, you're going to think faster, you're going to perform your tasks better, you're going to remember things quicker. So it's a good way to kind of upgrade your system a little bit, recharge yourself, and now whatever task you have, whatever things that you need to knock off, you're going to do it faster, better, more efficiently. So it doesn't have to be a time suck to just lay down for 15 minutes and nap. It might just help you fight off a cold or think even faster, do better on an exam or whatever you have coming up. Some people can fall asleep and are pretty good at it, but when they do wake up from a nap, they feel even more tired and groggy. This is when this is a good time to use a caffeine nap. So a caffeine nap is about 10 to 15 minutes long. You slam a big coffee. So you have a big coffee and then you lay down and nap. The caffeine, it takes a couple minutes for it to hit the system. It might take 10, 15 minutes. So that's how long you nap. Your alarm goes off, you're waking up. And as you're waking up, the caffeine is rushing into your system at the same time. You're gonna feel very refreshed, alert, and awake, and it's time to go. So big coffee before, quick nap, 10 to 15 minutes, and you're gonna feel wide awake when you wake up. The next article looked at running and knee injury. It was called, Should I Stop Running If My Knee Hurts? It brought up a couple interesting points. One study from Canada where they just asked regular people and health professionals if running was harmful to knees. And a majority of people thought that running was um, not great for people's knees. This article does a good job of breaking down how this is a common misconception and that it's not true. It's easy to think that, oh, if I don't use the joint, I'm not going to wear it out. That's going to be better for the joint. But that is not how joints work. The joint does not have a pump of its own. So for you to get nutrition into the joint, you need movement. And without movement, you're going to have less nutrition at that joint. And that's gonna, not going to be as good for it. The article has some great citations. And this is a direct quote from the article. People who exercise moderately are less likely to have knee osteoarthritis. More specifically, recreational runners have far lower rates of knee osteoarthritis than non-runners. So you could say that not running might be bad for your knees. End of quote. The article also brings up that high volume or high intensity running, so someone that's doing tons and tons of miles every week, that might not be the greatest things for you. Those people might be having higher rates of knee osteoarthritis compared to the recreational runner. So not doing anything, not good for you. Doing some running, some activity, something recreational, that is good for you. And then once you take it into, I'm going to do tons of something, that's when it starts getting worse for you again. So it's got a little bit of a U-shape to it. The distances that you would have to run to really mess up your knees, it needs to be very, very far. I bet that's not an issue for you. If someone tells you that running is not good for uh, someone's knee, uh, just know that that is not true. Movement helps the joints. The joints get stronger. Recreational runners have healthier knees than people that don't run at all. The next study I'm going to go over is looking at sweeteners. 
it's very common that you hear people say that, oh, even though it doesn't contain any calories, it's still going to raise your blood sugar and it's not going to be very good for you. This is a uh, very big study. It looks at 26 different studies, combining the results of all of them, and then kind of looking at, does it make a difference or does it not make a difference? They looked at several different common sweeteners. They compared it to meals with food, without food. They compared it to people that have diabetes and to people that don't have diabetes. Here's a direct quote from the researcher's conclusion. Sweeteners do not exert an independent effect on the mean change in blood glucose or insulin responses compared with a control intervention. This study shows that sweeteners don't raise your blood sugar and it doesn't raise your insulin, which is a very common claim against sweeteners. It's been around for a long time. It's been proven to be safe over and over again too. Sweeteners are probably or most likely healthier for you than sugar. This is not a free pass to having as much sweetener as you want to. If you rely on sweet things, if you have a sweet tooth, if that's something that you crave, then you need to limit it and start weaning yourself off of it. It's time to flip the menu from the kid's side over to the adult side. Less Diet Coke, less sweetener on things. It's not going to help you. You need to uh, retrain your taste buds to enjoy things that are less sweet and that is going to be better for your fitness in the long run. There are still tons of mysteries in exercise science, which is pretty fascinating. One of those is uh, muscle cramps. You probably think right away, oh, I know what mu muscle cramps all are. It's all about electrolytes, sodium, and potassium. However, there's plenty of studies where they've done uh, testing on athletes. They did a grueling workout. They got muscle cramps. They looked at their blood levels of um potassium, sodium, and they don't have to be off. You can still cramp even though that your levels are fine. And then there's a different theory saying that it's about neuromuscular control. It's a uh, electrical malfunction at the nerve cell. You're stuck in that on position and you can't switch off. So these are two theories that have some gaps in them. Um, you've probably heard me say, oh, pickle juice. You need to have some pickle juice. The pickle juice has been proven to help but it actually helps before the electrolytes even help the system. So it looks like having something that's pungent or a spicy drink, there's one called Hot Shot that kind of helps with cramps. And part of that is the taste that you get. It helps with the cramps for some weird reason and not so much the electrolytes. This article on cramping from Outside Magazine is pretty interesting. They're diving into a, a research study on runners. They try to figure out, is it the pace? Is it the... Uh, muscle damage before starting the race what's different between these people that cramp and don't cramp and there's only one thing that stood out that made a huge difference and that was 48 percent of the non-crampers so half the people that didn't cramp reported regular lower body resistance training compared to 25 percent of the people that cramped up so uh, 48 percent of non-crampers they lifted weights regularly and only 25% of the people that ended up cramping did lift weights. So this shows that a way to prevent cramps is to make sure that you actually lift weights compared to do running alone. Maybe this is useful for you, maybe this isn't useful for you. I'm not saying that electrolytes don't play a role or that um, 
the neuromuscular control makes all the difference too. One of the best predictors of cramping is whether you've cramped in the past. So some people, they're going to be more prone to cramping. Some people are just not going to be uh, cramping as much. Personally, what I've seen in the gym with people, with myself, is that if you do something that's above and beyond what you normally do, you're going to experience some cramps. If I do a workout with 50 pull-ups, I'm fine. If I do a workout with 100 pull-ups later that night when I try and brush my teeth, my biceps are going to cramp up. So if you're reaching for it, if you're going further than what you've gone before, that's when that stuff is going to pop up the most. That's what I've seen in the gym. So uh, keep volume in mind. Be appropriate with your intensity. Make sure that you obviously eat your fruit and veggies and put salt on your food. That's good for you. But cramping, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about it. So keep notes yourself about your sleep, about your recovery. Do you need a rest day maybe? You need to figure this out for yourself. It's going to be very independent on who you are. The quote of the week is, Looking backwards messes with your neck. I got this quote from Gary Vaynerchuk. He used a different word than messes, but I couldn't use that on the board or on this podcast. If you haven't checked him out before, he's on YouTube, Instagram. You can pick up one of his books at any bookstore. Side note on Gary V, I find him very inspirational. You need to find people that you uh, find inspirational. Maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a book, maybe it's something else. Uh, plug into it, get a little bit of it every day. It's going to keep you going. It's not something that you uh, set and forget. It needs to be worked on all the time. Back to the quote, looking backwards messes with your neck. There's nothing less interesting than a bunch of could have, would have, should have uh, arguments, debates, and topics. You need to learn something from what you did, obviously, but then you move on. You got to look forward. You got to keep going. The rear view mirror is tiny for a reason. The windshield is big on purpose. You need to focus on the stuff that you got ahead of you. You can't go back in time. You can't fix something, whether it's your diet or workout or something else you messed up. Learn something from it. Don't dwell on it. Move on. That windshield is way bigger.